Hello, everyone. Welcome to Game Junk Prototype, episode 92, recording on Sunday, January 30th, 2022. My name is Frank. My name is Sean. And my name is Andrew. And yet again, a lighter week before Sean loses his mind. Next week, top 10 games of 2021. Okay, Sean. We're locking it in. Like, Frank, you're going to tell people? You're going to give an update? The whole, before the whole show, he's like, what are we doing? What are we doing? What's the problem? What's the problem? I'm like, okay, next week, I promise. Okay? I promise. And I've made some serious headway with my list. It's still changing. It changed this morning. Uh, so uh, that's coming next week. Today, we're just going to do some junk mail, talk about what we played. Uh, Huck, some announcements maybe you wanted to get to? Yeah, so first announcement, Epic Dumpster Bear 2, <laughs> Jank Brain, still on the Nintendo Switch, still cheap, still a great game. Go pick them up. Help, it, help, help a guy out. Come on. You don't pay anything for this show. You can, you can treat yourself with those two gems of a game. Uh, second announcement, uh, we got zero comments about the new... Game Junk YouTube video intro on Game Junk. I'm very disappointed with all Game Junk <laughs> oh, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sean poured his heart and soul into this new intro video, and no one said a goddamn thing about it. So everyone needs to go to YouTube, check out the new amazing intro video, and just leave a like, share even if you want to, and leave a comment saying, Sean, you're the best. That's all I ask. Well, Sean is the best. He's also d- done some new cover art. It's been a long time coming, but depending on your podcast feed, you may or may not be seeing brand new Game Junk cover art, which is exciting. So Sean, Sean's doing lots of work too with the Game Junk plays. It Takes Two Part 4 is up. This is, you know what? Sean's the best. We love Sean, don't we? Don't we all love Sean? In the comments, tell Sean how great he is. I think he's great. I tell him that all the time. But you should too. And you know what? While you're at it, let's say you're listening to this podcast. You don't watch it on YouTube, which is fine. Who cares? But we would like to hit that monetization point. So, you know, just throw, make a couple fake YouTube accounts, whatever you got to do. If you got a bot creator or something like that have them subscribe get us into that monetization zone like subscribe do all that garbage let's make it happen youtube.com forward slash game junk let's get some bot subscribers that's that's what we're interested in (laughs) make sean see the fruits of his labor Yeah, well, thanks. I mean, I, the logo and stuff wasn't that much work. But the, I will say the editing for part four of It Takes Two was a bit of a pain in the ass, mainly because we had some recording technical issues. So it became this patchwork of using Frank's backup video and all this. I stuff. blame Sean upgrading to Windows 11. <laughs> <laughs> May have been a factor. Well, it definitely was a factor. But not not Windows 11's fault, just, you know. Didn't have some. Sean's doing the work. I'm playing the games. I'm playing all the games to make sure these lists are accurate for prosperity (laughs) (laughs) or posterity, (laughs) whatever the case may be. I say both. Why can't it be both? All right, let's get into some junk mail. So I'm going to group these first two. Are we going to talk about the Halo? Oh uh, shit! I forgot. How did I forget? 
the gangrene nation's going to be blowing their stack. We're not talking about the Halo Infinite television trailer that debuted today during the uh, AFC Championship game. Now, Huck, we forgot to talk about this. What did Tony Romo say about this? Oh, so who's his like co-announcer? Jim guy? Nance. Jim Nance. So Jim Nance does the plug, right? The like pre-scripted Paramount Plus, yeah. Paramount Plus Halo series. Stay tuned to watch. And Romo, right after, chimes in, like, that's a video game. Why are they making a TV show out of it? <laughs> like, right away, <laughs> just starts chirping it. I was like, oh, yeah. Romo's always, like, he's got this, he thinks he's, like, this real sarcastic wit. He's always putting, he's really starting to get obnoxious. Just take it down a couple notches there, Tony. I, I do like you, but everyone, he's gone too far. <laughs> People probably say the same thing about me, but that's okay. The Halo TV show trailer coming to Paramount Plus. Is it March? March 24th. I've been playing Halo like crazy. I still have not missed a weekly reward. I've done every challenge in Halo Infinite Multiplayer. Have not missed anything yet. Still loving it. Still get my fix. Only multiplayer game I'm playing right now. TV show. Uh, Huck, you were blown away by this trailer. I like. I couldn't believe it. Is that what it. I said? Dude, you were gush- <laughs> gushing, gushing, gushing. Well, I, so I you was, go first. Okay, my uh, pre. What do you What do you guys do on Film Junk? Pre rating, pre watch, pre watch score would have been probably zero. And uh, coming out of it, I would say it was. Probably so that's like a pre trailer watch, not a pre watch. We're pre- technically still in watch. the pre watch phase of the Halo TV okay. show. Yes. Okay. So. Whatever I'm supposed to say, that's what I did. A zero to a, probably a four. Actually, I was pretty impressed. I thought the – I don't really care about the story aspect of it, but I thought the uh, characters looked great. I thought the CG of like the ships and the aliens and all that stuff looked good. Uh, I was pretty impressed with the production levels overall. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of um, – like stuff people will love that are Halo fans. Like it shows the minigun and the warthog sh- car and the ship and warthog a bunch of the bad car. guy stuff and the shields and all that other Halo terminology I don't know about. They showed it all. They showed a bunch. I think it's uh, – I thought it was pretty good. The Halo heads I, I are probably losing probably it in the comments it. right now. <laughs> but uh, I thought it looked okay. I guess I'd be pre-watching at a – 3.5 out of 5. Don't, I, I just subscribed to Paramount Plus this week, not even knowing about this, just to watch King of Queens now and then. <laughs> and, uh, so I, I might check it out. We'll see. It looks okay. Uh, clearly, like the heaviest of heavy, almost vomit-inducing Mandalorian influence here. Uh, I agree that the Ma- Master Chief sounds like the Mando. Uh, you know, the whole vibe is Mandalorian-ish. Like, it looks pretty good. I agree. Technically, not bad, but, you know, still looks a bit like TV, the current TV, let's be honest. It's not blowing me away, but uh, it looks competent. Yeah, I'm, I think it looks cool. Like, it's just the integration of the CG stuff into the live action, I think, looks pretty cool. And, and you know, that's probably the selling point. Now, story-wise, it's funny because, you know, we were talking about Halo Infinite and how, you know, the mythology of of Halo is just a complete 
like who knows debacle is the word we like to use on this podcast (laughs) yeah and you know i'm curious if they can crack that somehow like i guess you know if they're starting over and they're obviously going to have it for people who don't know anything about the game to be able to come in and understand the story um but then i also was reading some stuff that people are pointing out that there's already differences from the game which i'm sure people are going to be really pissed off about (laughs) Uh, but the big thing that I was surprised about, and we were talking about this beforehand, the voice of Master Chief. So it's Pablo Shriver, I think, is the actor. Uh, we have Shriver's brother. Is that right, Huck? I think so, yes. As far <laughs> as Wikipedia links and linking uh, works, yes. That is and, correct. Yeah, so I mean, I, I'm not that familiar with him, but like... Just not like I was saying with uh, Halo Infinite, using the, the classic Master Chief voice is kind of a problem now when you try to do something a little more dramatic. So then hearing a different voice for this, I was like, oh, that like I, I don't know if I like it or not. I can't tell. Like it's it's different, and I I think in the long run it's probably for the best. Uh, but yeah, I really don't know. You know, like you were saying, comparing to Mandalorian, Frank, like. I'm waiting for the IGN article. Why some Master Chiefs can take off their helmet and some can't. And like all this stupid lore about <laughs> Master Chief's helmet, like, or Spartan. I know it's Spartan. Don't lose it, Halo Heads. I'm just. Uh, but I, I mean, I'm curious do they, do they are they going to keep it that he doesn't talk much? You know, again, kind of like with Mandalorian, man, a few words. Like, is that. Like I think that works in the Mandalorian, especially with kind of the Western vibe. I don't know if it'll work for something like this. Surprised it's not Baby Cortana, <laughs> yeah, going around a Master Chief. All right, yeah, looks okay. I, I'll check out the first episode. I'll give you one. After well, that, you subscribe to Paramount Plus. Now you got it. It's five bucks a month. Who cares? It's nothing. <laughs> It's worth one King of Queens episode a, a year. <laughs> <laughs> All right, junk mail. Let's do it. All right, I'm grouping the first two together relating to portable consoles. Uh, this one comes from Jeans Receding Hairline. Frank, what are your thoughts on the analog pocket? You better expand that to everyone because I don't even know what it is. <laughs> so, uh, next, from Zenitrude. Uh, I'd also like to hear Frank's and anyone else's thoughts on the current crop of portable retro consoles. Since Frank hates Nintendo so much nowadays, despite pioneering the audio unboxing format with a 3D, uh, 3DS XL, I gotta know what his go-to shitter gaming experience is in 2022. Please don't say the iPhone, Apple Arcade, or I may throw up in my mouth. Yeah, so uh, Analog Pocket is like a new portable gaming system that plays Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance games. And I think it does other stuff too. Uh, It looks like Game Gear, Neo Geo, Pocket Color, Atari Lynx. So um, I did look it up before the show, so I I know what it looks like. It's It looks nice, and and it's a cool thing. I mean, if you are a collector of retro games and maybe you don't have 
all of these systems or you're, you know, you need to repair them and, you know, they're falling apart. You know, this is a cool way to be able to play all in one on like a brand new system. It's a cool idea. It's just not something personally I would buy because I I still have all those old systems. So if I did want to play them with like the legit games, then I could still do that. Uh, To me, I like retro stuff. I'm more interested in like I, I recently found an old Android box I wasn't using and started putting together like a retro uh, box. Like, I don't know what you want to call it, but like just dumping a bunch of ROMs on there emulator having, kind of hub. Yeah. Just having access to all the old games basically like, and, and that's, that's a cool thing. That's kind of, is the analog out. pocket out yet or is it still in pre-order? It looks like pre-order. Uh, it said pre-order on the site. I just and it's two hundred and twenty dollars. Yeah, looks like it's rechargeable. I don't know. It's got a sleek design. I think you can play on a TV too, if I'm not mistaken. That's kind of cool. Kind of a that's yeah, definitely a selling point. I do like that. Uh, yeah, I have enough old retro games that I don't play. Portable stuff is at the bottom of my list when it comes to that, and I, I mean. If, if I didn't care about ecosystems and trophies and achievements, I'd probably be more likely to uh, to just mod a Vita or something and you know do an emulator if I wanted to play this stuff. Also, a little more curious about a Steam Deck or something like that. But I know I'm gonna I'm just dumping on these questions, but like the idea of retro portable stuff does not move my needle in the slightest. Yeah. I mean, I, I, even I am not playing that much, uh, portable handheld stuff these days because I never leave the house. So what's the point? But, uh, and my shitter currently, my shitter gaming experience is non-existent. I don't play games on the shitter. It's usually a nice time to make some phone calls, catch up on some emails. (laughs) (laughs) I, I've moved a lot of my productivity time to the shitter to allow time for <laughs> playing video my games last, during my work time. <laughs> was my last birthday greeting from you on the shitter, Frank? Was the what? Sorry, what? My, my last birthday greeting? No, from no. <laughs> I think I... Okay, just checking. No, I probably did it right when I woke up. I'm like, it's Sean's birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> Now, but Frank, I didn't call you, you on your birthday. Yeah, you did. Oh, okay, right, I thought so. That's what I just I, I know that. No, I would if, if I called you, you on the but... shitter, I would tell you I'm calling you. On the <laughs> <shitter>. <laughs> I'd let you know, or you'd find out <laughs> yourself <laughs> with the audio. <laughs> well, yeah, but what like in terms of the retro game lounge? Like, are you out of the game? I know you always talk about wanting I'm to I'm out of the game. The this thing is just going up in value by the day. <laughs> just going up and up and up. I think that is the problem, too, with, with a system like this, where, yes, it's legit, and yes, for collectors, it's great. But everybody says, like, getting into collecting old games now is terrible because the, the prices are just through the roof. I really want to sell... The problem is, I know I say this constantly. I had some of my my friends and their kids came over in the summer for a video game night. And my my one friend 
or friends, their son loves Terminator, is obsessed with Terminator. So I was trying to hook up the Genesis to play Terminator 2, the arcade game. And, and I was, they also love GameCube. Like they're obsessed with old Nintendo consoles. So I was trying to get those working and Nintendo 64 doesn't work. I don't know why my, my TV, I only had one TV in the house that actually had a coax connection or an audio visual, visual audio visual thing that I could actually use. So it took me five hours to almost get something working. And then finally <laughs> with like a jiggly cable, I got the, the Genesis working and it's like, first of all, I should buy What's that Polymega? I need to buy a Polymega, but you know what? I just got to dump this shit. Like I'm almost dead. I'm never going to play this stuff. <laughs> like it's got to go. It is still going up in value. It is. It's, it really is quite a bit. So I'm not, you know, it's not the end of the world. It's, it's in this room. Who cares? But Hey, make me an offer. It's available. Huck, you still have all your old games. Uh-oh. Oh, so for my old games, I have basically uh, nothing. Uh, I've got like a few Xbox games, a few Wii games, and I think I have a few like PlayStation 3 games, which you can't buy digitally yet. I think that's about it. I haven't, I haven't really like bought that many games physically in a long time. I've been all library and digital. That's kind of been my bread and butter. So, um, basically just all the old games are just kind of sitting in a bin collecting dust and that's about it. Nothing exciting. Speak with a lot of rumors of PS3 backwards compatibility coming soon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Digitally. That's, that's pretty cool. All right. Next question. Greetings game of men. Sony has a mascot problem. Microsoft has Master Chief, Nintendo has Mario, and Sony has Crash Bandicoot? No, wait, Astrobot? Or was it Sackboy? It could be Ratchet and Clank, or Nathan Drake, or was it Polygon Man? Do you think it's important for a brand to have a solidified mascot, or is this a marketing relic of the past? What do you consider to be the de facto PlayStation mascot? Okay, bye. Blake in Boston. Bonus question. If we have Blue Haze, Gang Green, and Scarlet Fever, what do we call PC fanboys? Carpal Tunnel? Syndrome? Keystroke? Typhus? <laughs> I don't remember what we came up with for that. Yeah. How could someone about beige? <laughs> yeah, it was something with beige. Someone <laughs> someone suggested beige something. Can't remember. Uh, beige I would rage. say beige rage, maybe. Maybe maybe it's the rubber ducky. Maybe is that the Sony uh should be the Sony mascot? <laughs> but for me, I would say that the mascot is maybe a little uh retro, let's say. And I think now it's more about the audio stinger. And I think that a lot of uh, companies are focused on, well, first the icon, the branding of the logo is front and center all the time. And so for like PlayStation, you have that like, I don't know, it's like, you know, that like robotic PlayStation voice. Like it's very iconic. And they have that little like, they have that little like, I don't know. I wrote chew. I don't know. I can't, I can't think of what the, the sound is, but it's like chew or something like that. Uh, 
And then, like, Switch obviously has the snap sound, right? Everyone mm-hmm. knows that. That's pretty good. Uh, Nintendo's is good. <laughs> Nintendo's audio is and the that, best. And then Xbox has that, like, almost, like, zoom-in sound effect. Yeah, the or Nintendo, or the, the Xbox, Xbox audio is good. It's not great, but I think, like, the the circle logo for Xbox is the best logo. Yeah, and then it, even if you think back, like, what was the most iconic? EA, EA Sports, right? EA Sports. Obviously, came in all the time. Sega with their, you know, Sega, Sega or or the loud, the yelling, like, Sega, that kind of stuff. Like, very iconic. Like, you don't even need anything. You just hear that. You can picture the brand, and you know it's a Sega thing. Uh, so I think, actually, like, the audio stinger is more important than the actual mascot now. And I mean, technically, Crash Bandicoot is Microsoft's mascot now. They own Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> and I do think the... The Jay was furious about that. He would say he was shaking. <laughs> no, he was excited. <laughs> Those were shaking of excitement. Well, I thought the Crash Bandicoot one was anger. Um, I could be wrong. Uh, the yeah, the the mascot. Who cares? I mean, I don't even think Master Chief is the mascot of Xbox. It's it's the only character they have. <laughs> Like the people know, and even then, it's not that good. I'd rather be Sony, where you're listing off Nathan Drake, uh, Aloy, whoever. They just have a million characters from a million great games that everyone loves. Problem solved. You have the best games. Blue Haze, all the way. Uh, every game company wishes they had a, a conundrum of who their most iconic character is. Yeah, I mean, well, here's here's what I'll say is like I don't think it's about the mascot, but I think having one very strong game franchise that's associated with your console is good. And I think it is maybe a bad thing for Sony. Like I know what you're saying, Frank, they've got so many different things. But if you just ask the average person like what is like what would you buy a Sony console for? What's that game you're dying to play on a Sony console? I don't know if there's like that's the you know, that's the best part. Easy. Everyone has a different answer that loves Sony. Well, not everyone, I, but there's a, like- a bunch of answers. I have a friend that I did, one of my best friends from when I was young. I talked to once in a blue moon. I had no idea he loves Uncharted, and we just happened to talk about video games. He's like, I play every Uncharted game. I love them. And then someone else has something else like. That's the best position to be in. Like, it's what Huck said. Like, the brand is important, the logo, the audio. But in terms of a game character, who gives a shit? The best, this, I know that the console race is kind of close right now. It's not talked about enough, I don't think. It's only because it's impossible to find a PS5. If there was an abundance of chips and whatever the supply chain issues are with Sony, if they could make as many as they want of both consoles, Sony would be destroying them. People are still trying to get PlayStations. Yeah, well, like I, we, I think we were talking about this a few weeks back, but like, you know, I, I was talking to some friends over Christmas, and I feel like Sony still has that. They're kind of like the de facto, if you're getting a next-gen console, PlayStation is what you want. People just think that. And then you say, well, but what about Xbox, Game Pass, all that stuff? And they're like, what? I don't know what that is. People don't know. It's just somehow Sony has gotten to that position now where they, if you want like the top of the line game console, people think PlayStation. I mean, it's a good place for them. It's just like the nature of the console cycle, right? PS4 was the 
was the better console last gen. So that's still lingering. It could completely shift by the end of this one. It was the same. Xbox 360 was more popular than PS3, but by the end, I think it was starting to tilt and that bled into PS4 and it could very well tilt this. I think it is already tilting this generation for most people. So, um, in terms of awareness, but I mean, Sony's got a big year coming, like a huge year with Horizon, uh, God of War, Ragnarok, po- po- potentially PSVR 2, Gran Turismo. Gran Turismo. Like, that's a solid year. So, Xbox already had the biggest year they're going to have for quite some time. All the big franchises came out. So, uh, you know, we got to see what they have left in the tank. Let's see what other companies they can buy. <laughs> Yep. Anyway, I'm glad we turned that mascot question into a console war question. Always every time. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, you gotta. I love console wars. <laughs> so good. It's my favorite thing. Um. Okay. Anything else to add to that? I guess we, did we answer the who would you or sorry what would you consider to be the de facto PlayStation mascot? Well. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think they have a mascot. I think the de facto game franchise. You already said it. I think it's Uncharted. But so I guess I would have to say Nathan Drake based on that. I would say Sackboy or um, possibly Kratos. I think by the end of this year it will be Kratos. I have no comment. No comment. <laughs> Moving on. Because the nature of being podcasters and possibly having to cram content in order to have things to review or talk about on the show, are you guys finding yourselves turned off of a certain type of game? Alternatively, are you finding yourselves enjoying games that you otherwise wouldn't have even played if it wasn't for the show from Know Nothing? Dwy and I were actually talking about this a bit while we were waiting for you, and Yes, there are definitely some things. Uh, for me, I, I am turned off of playing strategy games now. I find I just do not have the time to learn all the rules and really master it. It's almost like a, like a board game. Like you got to play it a bunch, learn all the rules, learn all the ins and outs, and I just don't have the time to, don- to, to uh, donate? No. <laughs> dedicate. Dedicate to... <laughs> Uh, donate that time for prosperity brother (laughs) yeah uh and also even like bigger rpgs like i really really want to play persona 5 and it's just so massive that um it's really a a detriment like a turnoff uh and also what what dwy and i are really talking about is older games like games we want to go back and play even if it's just from like one year ago or like i was telling bry uh bry dwy i uh fired up my vita guy guy. (laughs) (laughs) i was telling dwy i fired up my vita and i was playing persona 4 golden and i i almost like felt guilty like why i shouldn't be playing this i should be playing like you know 2021 games what am i doing i you know i've got it takes two to play and all these other games and here I am playing a like a whatever five eight year old game. What am I doing? And and uh, that's, that's a like question. a real. What are you doing? <laughs> that's a real bummer. Like. I mean, the, the correct answer is I played it when I was taking a dump. Other than that, you shouldn't be playing that ever, unless all your TVs are <laughs> occupied. Uh, I, agree, I I want to touch on the strategy game thing too. And like out of all the genres that exist, my biggest blind spot is strategy. Like. I can't get into them. There is a steep learning curve, but I think my biggest problem with the strategy genre is it's 
it's kind of like chess. It's too well balanced. Like it's like they, they by definition almost have to be perfectly uh, balanced. There's not really a skill advantage. And, you know, like you said, until you learn the ins and outs and all the subtleties, you could be spinning your wheels, you're not making progress, or it can become an exercise in frustration. So I understand the strategic appeal of that genre, but it's just like, even in an action game, if I'm not good, like I get better as I play, but I'm still making progress while I get better. I know strategy games can set up challenges in a way that it's pacing your skills, but I find very early in a strategy game, I'm kind of like, uh, I suck at strategy games and then I, I don't get better. So I, 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 I agree. Yeah. Strategy games I avoid, but that has nothing to do with the podcast. I love this year. All the stuff I'm playing is coming down to nice 10 to 20 hour games. And we're, the, for whatever reason, scaling costs, next gen, the industry is kind of hitting that sweet spot again. It's not about hundred hour games, which I am loving personally. Those games scare me off because, like, long like, games—that's my biggest thing. Like, I do not have the time. I think there just weren't that many open world games in the last year, and maybe that's a trend that's going away. I don't know, but. I'm going to talk about a very short and amazing open world game this week. Hmm, okay. But yeah, I guess like definitely there's with Game Pass and stuff, there's a, a real temptation and it's quite easy to just be like, oh, there's something new that's out this week. I'll check that out. We could talk about it on the, on the podcast. But, you know, for a serial dabbler like myself, that just, you know, makes it worse. Like, it's harder. Although I feel like I have finished more games in the past year or two than I have in a long time. But, uh, you know, it, that's a, that is a problem. I got way too many games that I've played a couple hours of. And then, you know, something like, uh, what were we talking about? For, Forza Horizon. Like, you know, that's a game that I feel like I... It's not really my kind of game, but I did try it out a bit. And then I'm kind of like, well, to really understand it and really be able to like have some sort of, you know, maybe it could be on my top 10 list or something. I'd have to put like 20, 30, 40 hours into that. And I'm just not going to be able to. Sean, that, so. it was the game of the year of IGN. And you're not going to finish? Exactly. What a joke. It, like, <laughs> honestly, I disagree. A game... Like Horizon 5, you know if you like it, whether you play three hours or 20 hours. It's that same loop over and over again. So uh, I w if you like that loop, I think you should feel confident putting it on your top 10 list. It may be bumped off my list by next week based on the current games I've been playing. All right. Just before we move on, I want to also say that uh, what Dwight was talking about Game Pass has actually force me to play games I normally wouldn't play because I want to dabble in all these options I have. So like uh, Flynn, Son of Crimson, prime example. I would never play that game. Uh, like I would never buy that. But because it was free on Game Pass, I tried it, loved it, played through the whole thing. And I'm finding uh, I'm actually playing a lot more platformers and sort of like 2D action games on Game Pass than I normally would at any other time. And I've been really enjoying them. Also, like, the roguelike games I find I've been playing a lot more of, which I wouldn't probably necessarily gravitate to, but I have been liking them. And, yeah, that's probably all I want to say about that. But. 
All right. Next question. How do achievements, trophies, etc., work when making a game? Are there dedicated teams for stuff like that? Or do people just come up with them as they build the game during play testing or a combination of everything? Do you generally try to uh, try to make them the same on all platforms? Still playing through Nobody Saves the World. And as I get some of the achievements, it makes me wonder from I'm sorry, Dave. Well, I can chime on in this because I've probably had the most experience making trophies. I know, Frank, you have, right? With I've had to come up with uh, all the trophies for a game before. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say that in terms of the do you try to make them all the same, I would say usually, but it's not really like because that's the like, oh, let's just it's, – it's more like out of laziness and, and taking less time. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to come up with like – tons of extra stuff it's just the stream most streamlined way and usually uh, i would say you come up with them near the end uh, uh certain trophies are easier to come up with like any progression sort of you know complete chapter one obvious trophy complete chapter five obvious trophy um and then after that it's really just coming up with whatever you kind of feel like doing you know like does your game have enemies okay let's do till kill five ten twenty bad guys and after that you kind of create a big giant list of stuff you might want to do and then you just kind of start plugging in the points because each trophy is a different point amount and you can only have a certain number of points and uh you just kind of whittle down the list you kind of take your top ones give them point values see how many points you have left pick your next top couple see how many points you have left, and then you just kind of whittle it down. And, uh, yeah, really it's usually just based on gameplay. And, yeah, I mean, I, you um, no definitely, dedicated team. Yeah, there's no dedicated yeah. team. It's like a designer or like a document shared between a bunch of designers, a spreadsheet coming up with it. Usually have a yeah. column for, you know, because the values are different on PlayStation and uh, Microsoft. Microsoft. Like, you know, how many points you can have versus the value of gold, silver trophies. You have some kind of, you know, uh, code that's platform based for unlocking that stuff. And you, you just kind of have a, some kind of wrapper class that unlocks it on the right thing. And it's all sharing some ID between them all. And yeah, it's, I, I agree. It's maybe not at the very end, like at some point, like, towards the end past midway once you kind of know the game you you definitely want to get away from stuff that is going to need new systems right like you don't if you tell like a car hey we need a brand new system to track this idea it's gonna be like uh, can we pick a trophy that we we can use our current systems for or something like that so i mean that that's a consideration uh for sure but um yeah, I mean, my strategy when I was designing trophies is, and I talk about this, why I get trophies is hit the main things you want people to see in the game. And for an indie company, make it an easy thousand. It's only going to improve your sales. <laughs> like that, that. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Like, you know, how I much urge you people I work like with and for to make the game an easy thousand and not, not like a trivial thousand, like not a joke, but like play through the game, maybe go back to one area and that's it. Done. Like, do you think that actually does affect sales a lot? It affects like, at could, least one sale that I'm aware of. <laughs> well, yeah, because I know you, before a game comes out, you're looking at the achievement list and I, I don't know if like 
easy, hard. I don't know exactly what you're looking for there, but something that I guess is achievable and is not going to take like a hundred hours to to do. Would you, would you look when you're buying, would you look at an achievement list for a game that you had no intention of buying and because it was an easy thousand buy it? If it was like a game I was on the fence for and I saw it was an easy thousand. Absolutely. Or an easy platinum. Definitely. Hmm. There's people who just look for easy platinums. Like it's what they do. So like you're, (laughs) you're doing yourself no favors by having it like, Oh, it takes a hundred hours. It's you have to be the best person at this game ever to get, the platinum. I understand how someone might think that's what a platinum trophy is for, but pff, bad move. But, I mean, isn't part of it to have some replay value and to keep people playing your game after they've beat the main campaign and stuff like that? It could. If you think that's an important part to understanding your game, if there's like different story choices or, but if it isn't, who cares if they like the game again, they'll play it again. Like, like I don't buy that for one second. And I, I don't want to, I want to go back to Huck's question. It's not so much would I buy a game because it's easy. I definitely w- wouldn't buy a game because it's an impossible platinum. So if I see like, Oh, this game is going to take uh, 200 hours to platinum and it's all luck based and all this stuff and skill. You have to beat it on the hardest difficulty without dying. Eh, you're going to the back <laughs> back burner on this. Like, not going to happen. If you want to see how far Frank will go for a trophy, just check out the uh, <laughs> It Takes Two Part Four video. Is the Hell Tower portion playing in real time or sped up? Where did that end up? Uh, I did a bit of both. Okay. Like I did some sections sped up, and then eventually oh, I had God. to do like a 15 minutes later caption. Yeah. All right. Well, those are some good questions. So let's get into what we played. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, I don't, did I say I beat Deathloop? I think I did, but I just had, I don't know if you did. Yeah, no? I don't think you did. I asked you about it. Okay. Like, well, I'll be talking offline, about, but... I, I really lo- loved Deathloop. Uh, my criticisms would be that I found I always used the Nexus power and, ether i think the other there's four or five slabs i really only used two i wasn't even it wasn't even that fun experimenting with the other ones they weren't that big of a gameplay change um so that that might be my biggest criticism but the progression of learning and it guiding you through this really weird time-based experience like i said the learning curve is steep but once it all makes sense it actually makes it really easy and digestible the story couple frustrating things no one is talking about this this game is getting tens everywhere it crashed five times for me at least and it's soft locked five on menus like getting out of the pause menu it's soft locked this game's been out for how long and these bugs still exist why do i have to hear about all the stability issues with cyberpunk and every other game and this game no one even talks about this i go to to forums and reddit and everyone's like yeah soft lock i was like if you're at the end of a day, let's say you're about to beat the game and it soft locks, you're done. You lose all that progress. You have to go back to the start of that time segment. Like it's not good. It is. It crashed for me a lot, and I am not alone. And no yeah. one seems to mention this. Five times soft lock. That's that's a lot. So of time ten crap. Ten times I had to to start over. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you're that's losing progress, that's like hugely frustrating. I, yeah. Like, I, I don't think I remember it crashing on me. And I mean, I di- obviously didn't beat the game, but I played maybe eight hours or so. And then the very ending of the game, I did the last day. The last day probably takes an hour minimum to do it all. I get to the final choice of the game and I didn't really understand what I was supposed to do. And I reset. I had to do it all over again because I made a choice that's basically like the non-choice ending. And I didn't even realize I was doing it. And I had to do it all over again. I was snapping by the end of this game. Like I would have appreciated a this is going to stop your progress. Are you sure you want to do this? And I would have been like, no, I'm not sure. But no, it let me do it. Guess what? Do it all again. Do the whole fucking thing over again. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was losing it. But I still love the game. Will be on my top 10 list. I understand why people love it. Uh, I love the weapons. Kind of like Halo. Each weapon is so unique and like like fun to use uh it's it's a really cool game and the areas are exceptionally unique and the polish level ridiculous so it's a very good game blue haze all the way sony exclusive at least for now uh sorry who's next i only got one thing i don't know what you got huck uh i got i got a couple but they're pretty short uh I played It Takes Two. I don't know. Did I talk about this last week? No, you started right after two. we recorded last time. Okay. Yeah, so I played some It Takes Two and very impressed so far. I must say, I I don't know how this game looks so good. Uh, there is, they're doing something with the lighting and obviously the character models are super high res, but I feel like it's such a believable environment that you're walking around that, uh, yeah, I'm just really impressed with uh, all the environments they've done, how it looks visually, but also how it plays. I'm very impressed with all the variety so far that I've come across. Now, I, I, I'm I, not nearly as far as you guys. I, I went through to see where I was in comparison to your guys' playthrough, and I'm about halfway through part two of your playthrough. So not, not that far, uh, but very, very impressed. Um, it is the best pacing of any game other than a naughty dog game. It might be better. There's a new idea every two minutes in that game. And visually there's a new idea constantly. And also the new ideas are not difficult to grasp and they give you enough on screen visual indications that you can see what you need to do. And it doesn't get frustrating because like you forget the controls uh, so like even when you're doing like the grind rails and you need to jump to the other one, it comes up with the button prompt to tell you you need to do it. Now, I some people might be like, oh, that's cheap. It's kind of like telling you. But I really enjoyed that fact. And like you don't really need them. It's more just like a help if you need it. Look, if you're a designer, and- is the challenge of your game for the player to remember what button to press or is it to like to kind of yeah, to figure things out or you can get better? Yeah. Like get real. And, and I'm playing with, uh, like, so my six-year-old and eight-year-old sons are switching off. We're, like, kind of switching every level, and I'm playing with them. And they're handling it just fine. They had a little problem with the uh, – they were playing together for a little bit. They beat the, um, the like, mechanical wasp boss by themselves, which I thought was very impressive. And then they had a little trouble with the, like, flying ship mechanic after that. 
they 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 aren't so skilled with the controllers that they understand how to control a plane uh, in three dimensions yet. But other than that, uh, pretty impressed that they can handle it and that the designers made it approachable enough that you know they can figure it out and learn it. And I think also the like death mechanic with two people is very good in the fact that you kind of have a, a, you know, a short window to keep the game going. And then if you both die, you, you don't really lose that much progress each time, which I think is, is great. I I'm, I'm very impressed. Yeah, absolutely. Might've been a bit of a lull in our let's play four. we'll see yeah. how it rebounds. Yeah. Like the uh, cuckoo clock level, you know, it wasn't the best so far, but it was it was good. Sean, you have any? Uh, yeah, so I, I played this game called Before Your Eyes, um, which is kind of like a weird little indie game that I've been seeing some things about. I don't know if it's really been on like best of the year lists, but certainly seems to be getting a lot of mentions because it's got this interesting mechanic, which is that it uses a webcam as you play through the story to track your eyes and at certain points in the game, you have to blink your eyes to progress the story. Um, and it's, so it's, it's more of a, you know, I guess more of an experience or like, you know, a, a story than a game. Like there's not a ton of gameplay. Uh, and so you're kind of, it's a story of a, a kid who's So this, this is a PC game. I'm assuming then, right? It's on steam. Yeah. I, I don't know if, they've brought it to consoles or if they even could or would, but yeah, yeah I played it on PC. And, uh, so you, you know, you're, you're a kid who's, um, you know, your parents, your mom is, wants you to be this great musician and is kind of teaching you to play piano. And, um, you know, you have to make choices along the way. There's not a ton of, there's a few branching parts, I guess. I don't think they have a huge effect on the, the final, outcome of the game but um you know basically you're trying to choose if you want to go down that path or, or do something else and i gotta say by the end of the game and i had heard that you know it's a bit of an emotional game uh you know it it could be one of the closest i've come to dropping tear during a video game i mean it didn't happen but now is that do they like just physically make you dropped here by blinking constantly and <laughs> no they made there's parts in the game where they force you you have to keep your eyes open so you know your eyes want to moisturize but oh god uh, is this no. an eight millimeter situation <laughs> no but the the story i thought actually was well told and like the voice acting was quite good and um you know i, I don't want to give away exactly what happens but there's sort of a reveal towards the end that i thought you know kind of hit me in a way that was kind of heavy and, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It just kind of started me thinking like, you know, it's always a discussion of like when are video games going to get to the point where, you know, like movies, they can make you cry. And, and some people say, Hey, they're already there. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that totally, but you know, there are a handful of games that are maybe in, in the zone. I, maybe the last of us is kind of, kind of in there where it's, I would say in terms of big blockbuster triple a games it's probably the closest to maybe hitting some emotional i'm sure we've covered this before has anyone ever cried at a video game before i have not i have not i don't know 
I know I'm putting off playing that dragon cancer because I'm sure that is going to make me cry, but yeah, that I, one, I mean, just the concept alone seems yeah. like it could do it, but yeah, I know big 10, but yeah, I don't know. I could, you know, let us know in the comments if there's anything, if you, if any video game has made what you game cry has made any, you drop tier. Like I know to the moon, a lot of people mention. I've been meaning to play that. Haven't played it. Um, Maybe Firewatch. Never finished it, so can't say for sure. No game will ever make me cry. I promise. Well, hey, you. It takes two. It could happen, Frank. Just leave it open for the possibility. I but anyway, well, I, I bought I, this game. It sounds very intriguing. Just purchased. Yeah, it. I mean, it's it's cool. It's one of those things where it's like the first half hour or so. I was like, okay, it's cool, but like, is this all there is? But then there are some interesting moments where it's like. Like I said, it makes you keep your eyes open for certain things. And then there's parts where you have to close your eyes to hear audio that's going on. And and it's the way it's told because it's it's sort of like a first-person perspective. It actually does kind of immerse you in the story a bit. And uh, it's, it's pretty cool. The I mean, screenshots remind me a bit of the uh, – why can't I think of what it's called? I, I started Psychonauts 2 again with the uh, – when you – it's not possession, but like you see through another character's eyes mm-hmm. and like the, the eyelids kind of close the further away you get, like it kind of looked like that. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. So I've been, I, I started Psychonauts 2 again. It's definitely taking a bit more the second time firing it up. So I was really enjoying it today. Uh, looking to finish that this week. But the other game, the main game I've played this week is Solar Ash. Now, I think this is a PlayStation exclusive uh, currently, an Epic Store, I think, right? Not that, that's a, right. not that that's a factor for me, but uh, this game is amazing. No one is talking about this game. It kind of came and went in December, uh, and, you know... It's getting compared to the Pathless a lot, and I understand it's got a similar skating mechanic. That was kind of the big thing over the past year. Uh, Pathless, uh, Ratchet and Clank for has a skating thing with the the hover boots, and it's like this really. It's an open world game. It's not long. I think it's about five hours, six maybe. I did a hundred percent, and it took me ten hours approximately, and. Like, it was so much fun navigating this world. It's like, it's this really kind of abstract art, kind of like Deathloop. Every area is totally unique looking, uh, unlike anything I've ever seen before, and really cool visual pacing between each area. Each section or area has a boss that is basically like a fast-paced Shadow of the Colossus. It's like this huge boss that you have to scale and you kind of skate and do these attacks and slow down time. It's really tough to like um, accurately describe the gameplay, but it's kind of like Jack Grind Radio, but faster. And instead of it being slow and boring to spray paint, you're like doing hit attacks. And it's so, it's so fluid. It's so much fun. Uh, the first time you learn one of the main mechanics, I'm like, I have no idea what to do. I, it took me 20 minutes to figure it out. And I feel like that's the one thing that could have been done better in the game. Uh, but I love the world. 
I love like the menus, the polish level. It's the perfect size for me. It doesn't overstay its welcome. Each area is a nice size in terms of how many things you do. Like it is such a good game. I, I loved playing it. It's the, the first time in a while where I've been like, I'm playing this game till I beat it. And I, I beat it over the course of a day, pretty much. It's really good. More people need to be trying this game, especially if you like, um, I think if you like platinum action games, like the platinum games games, I think people would like this. Uh, to me, it, the main mechanic is way more satisfying and less particular than the pathless. Like I enjoyed it right, right away. The pathless has like that timing element for skating that, you know, it's first of all, it's environment dependent. So, you need to like kind of be on a trail and then time it right. Like in order to get speed and momentum, it really like there was too many environmental obstacles. This one is you can go wherever you want, whenever you want. It uses collectibles and economies very well to guide you in certain places. It's got grind rails. Uh, yeah. It don't sleep on solar ash. It's a really good game. Currently on sale on the Epic Game Store. Yeah, I got. Uh, I didn't buy it, but it was available for that coupon around Christmas too. Could have got it for like twenty or thirty bucks, I think. But uh, it's making me want to go back. I never finished Hyperlight Drifter uh, because its platinum was like pretty high. Platinum difficulty was quite high. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but Solar Ash guaranteed top 10 material next week and i'm whoa hmm. might be top cool. five uh, i played two things briefly i played shovel knight treasure trove on my nintendo switch i never played shovel knight and i must say this game's real good not really a surprise i knew it was going to be real good i haven't played that much but really enjoying it so far and then the other thing I played was the new Sherlock Holmes game, Sherlock Holmes Chapter 1. And pretty similar to the other games. Polish level is probably a little higher, but still has that sort of like Frogwares jank to it, I'll call it, where there's just like certain things where the, the controls are a little rough. And also they're like the cutting in between like cutscenes and dialogue it's just like very abrupt and it's let's just like there's certain things that are lacking in the polish level uh like for instance you're i think it's watson i i don't know if they've actually referred to him as watson but you're like companion guy that's walking around with you does a lot of teleporting like i'll be like running through the scene and i'll like turn and pick something up and then i'll turn back and all of a sudden he's just like sitting in the chair next to me instead of like across the room where he should have been uh so they are doing a lot of uh i guess just like stuff that the game looks really good but then there's a lot of kind of like cutting corners to solve design problems i think they had as to like how do we make this not super not as boring as it could be um so i'm gonna probably keep playing it but i don't think it will be cracking the old top 10 and that's it. That's all I played. My goal by the end of this week is to beat Psychonauts 2, to beat 
Guardians of the Galaxy and to beat Returnal. Lofty. That last one, yeah. And, of course, Sean and I need to beat It Takes Two. So, yeah, it's going to be a big game week. Pushing hard. <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of Shovel Knight, did anybody know that they released a puzzle game this year? Yes. Or was it last year? It might have been right at the end of last year. Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon? No, I, th- I think it just came out a like, couple months ago. Did it not? Well, like, so 2021, you mean? Yeah, December 13th, 2021. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I saw this. Like, I remember vaguely hearing about it and like a while back. And then, yeah, I just, it turned up on like some other top 10 list I saw. And I was like, wait, that came out. And uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of want to check it out. But uh, so that wasn't developed by them. They just kind of like licensed out their IP and then published it. Shovel Knight what? is a big franchise for like an indie it's game. Got Amiibos. Well, I got it right yeah. here, buddy. And uh, yeah. there it is, a Shovel Knight. And the uh, <laughs> the kind of crazy thing, like when I was doing trade shows for Embers of Miram, they already had like a ginormous booth. <laughs> I was like, this game is this big? I had no idea. They were selling merch. Like they struck gold with Shovel Knight. So good for them. Yeah. It, it oh, I guess a, one more thing I did play uh, is I finished Death's, Death's Door, which I don't think I uh, mentioned. I don't think I had beaten it last week. But I, the one thing I didn't mention, um, I really liked the humor in this game. I thought it was really funny. And um, I don't know if people really like say anything about that when they're reviewing it. I don't know if that has come up or not, but um, I really like it. And obviously, like the gameplay is amazing, so... Uh, yeah, I don't really have anything else to add as to what we've already talked about, but great game will be on my top 10. I also fired up Kenna Bridge of Spirits again. I think it is Kena though. One of the characters said Kena. Uh, and I played it enough. I don't think it's got a chance to crack the top 10. Looks, yeah, I, I, looks amazing, but it's just pretty clunky. I feel the same way I did when I talked about last night. It's too polished. Like everything you do is like an intro cam and an outro cam. And it's just, the pace is just kind of slow. The parry is not that responsive. It, it just art wise. It's amazing. Controls, design, action. It's good. Just not current like action game quality. Yeah. I played a little bit of it. And I was just, you know, it was good, but yeah, it didn't... Uh, like, the first really boss it. is frustratingly bad. <laughs> like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. Uh, I felt like I kind of hacked my way through it. Like, after you get the bow and arrow, did you get to that, Sean? Like, that first so. boss is bad. Like, it, it's just bad. <laughs> it doesn't need to be that hard. And then you die, and you have to go to the top of this slide and redo everything again. And I'm like, What? Who designed this? Are you out of your mind? <laughs> Just have me start at this boss again. Why do I need to slide down this hill every time? Brutal. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. That's uh, too bad. All right. Anyone else? We cover it all? Yeah. All right. So next week is the top 10 games of 2021. Come hell or high water. 
Check us out on youtube.com forward slash game junk. Get us to monetization now <laughs> on Twitter. Andrew, my angry commute and equilibrium sis, Sean film junk until next time. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.